You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Hello, everybody. This is Father Craig Vasek. I am continuing as your host today on Real Presence Live, this beautiful variety show that we have on the Real Presence Radio Network every day, Monday through Friday from 9 to 11 Central Time. So wherever you are, you can listen to it live. You can also listen to it on a podcast, which is super cool. You can go uh, to the website and you can find all of the past shows uh, that we've had for Real Presence Live. Uh, they're usually hosted the same day, maybe maybe later in the afternoon, within 24 hours though for sure. They get loaded up and you can go back and you say, hey, I want to listen to that again or I want to share that with someone else and they can pass it on and they can listen to it as if it were live. In fact, there's been times where I've uh, caught a, a, a replaying of Real Presence Live and they're talking about, hey, this event is happening tonight. And then I realize, wait a second, this was four days ago and I have to pay attention. So you have to pay attention too when you listen to our podcast because it's pretending to be live even if it's not at that point. So you can find that at the website, realpresenceradio.com and uh, you can stay with us wherever we are, whatever we're up to, you can listen. We are now in our second hour of programming. We have a beautiful second hour. Our first hour was talking about a lot of things here around the University of Mary. And guess what? Our second hour is going to be talking about a lot of things around here at the University of Mary because there's a lot to talk about. I was asked earlier in the month, hey, is there anything going on at the University of Mary? And sometimes I say, yeah, there's this or there's that. And then I was thinking, I'm looking at my calendar, there's a lot going on at the University of Mary at the end of June. So, uh, yes, we can talk about these things. So that's what we're doing. This hour, we'll talk to Sister Nicole Kunze. She's in, in the studio right now. And then in the second half hour, we're going to talk about um, the Fellowship of Catholic University students. They just had hundreds, hundreds, hundreds. Not a thousand. Sometimes in the past, it's been around a thousand. But uh, they've split it up this year. And they had their big uh, national training for these missionaries. They're sending out to hundreds of, of universities around the United States. So we're going to talk about that in the second half an hour. So you can say, stay with us uh, to, to hear about that. But first... We want to talk to Sister Nicole Kunze, the prioress of Annunciation Monastery, because she is, in these days, celebrating 25 years of monastic profession. And that is awesome. You're all clapping at home? Oh, you're all hooting and hollering and clapping for Sister Nicole hey, Kunze. Hey. Good job. You should be. 25 years of monastic profession. So that's why we've invited her on today, and we're going to talk through uh, life as a Benedictine. Uh, her life personally within that uh, 25 years uh, and different things that, that might come up that you know it's not every day you get to hear from a Benedictine uh, what their life is like. So that's why we want to do it. So, Sister, thanks so much for being with us today. You're welcome, Father Vasek. Thanks for the invite. And congratulations. Yesterday was your 25th anniversary of monastic profession. Yes. Oh my gosh, congratulations. Thank you. That's really, really, really great. Before the show, Sister had mentioned that, uh, that the, the sisters don't necessarily um, celebrate it in, in a way that maybe people do that are married or something like that, but, but we're going to. We're going to mark it with a beautiful, we're going to highlight it, and we're going to celebrate it with you really, really wonderfully. So we're, we're just so glad. Uh, so yesterday was 25 years. So actually, it's old news now. It is. <laughs> That's the way the world goes. <laughs> We're on to a new news cycle. <laughs> well, I even thought of that this morning. I said it's the first day of my second 25 years. <laughs> uh, always looking forward. All right. We're, t- we're talking about your 50th anniversary of monastic <laughs> profession that's coming up really quick in 24 years and 364 days. Okay. Uh, that's great. 25 years. 
25 years as a sister. Maybe that's true, maybe that's not true, because you mentioned that 25 years is marking your monastic profession. Is that right? Correct. So walk us through that. What are we, what are we actually marking so we're not mistaking in our markings? It is 25 years of monastic profession. We count from our first profession. Okay. We do have the perpetual profession, which yeah. would be the equivalent of the ordination for a priest. Right. And that would have happened about three and a half years after my first profession. Okay. And so you join a community... You, know, you don't you don't like walk in and profess your vows on day one. No, no. Yeah. So you had been there for a couple months or a year or actually it would have been a good two years. Okay. Um, I graduated from the University of Mary one week and moved to the monastery the next. <laughs> and for those who don't know, or for those who do know, I'll remind you, the university and the monastery are like uh, one step apart. <laughs> they are <laughs> Our sisters founded and continue to sponsor the universities. Yeah. So. Uh, that's great. And the monastery was in its current location at that point, or was it? Um, no, we were in what we now call the Benedictine Center. Ah, so yeah, it was like the university and the monastery were like really tied together. You we, didn't even have to walk across a parking lot. Well, I did. I was okay. living in Hillside Hall at the time. Okay, yeah, so a little, a long walk. <laughs> little okay. walk. Yeah. yeah. Okay, and so you gra- you're a graduate. Do you have to be a graduate of a university to join the community? Or? No, we yeah. say when a woman is starting to discern, she should at least show that she's lived independently. Okay. So be in her early 20s. And yeah. yes, we've had women come with college degrees, some working towards their college degree. Sure. All right, so you, we want to talk about your anniversary, but we also want to talk... A person could wrongly, uh, but just maybe they haven't reflected that much, think, oh, yeah, a religious sister, they're all basically the same, so their stories are all the same. It's like, well, no, because they're all actually human beings that come from uh, families and, and have lives and histories uh, that bear upon the entrance, and then also through the, the life the entr- uh, of a monastic profession. So just tell us a little bit. Prior to entrance, what was going on in the life of of not yet Sister Nicole? Right. At that point, I was going by Nikki most of the time. Okay. Um, do you I, still sometimes go by Sister? I, do, I don't usually go by Sister Nikki. <laughs> you don't introduce Sister yourself Ni- as no. the prioress of the monastery? I'm Sister Nikki. <laughs> no. Okay. No. But I grew up on a farm outside of Valley City, North Dakota. And oldest of three kids, enjoyed farm life, learned quite a bit working on the farm. Wow. Um, and we were parishioners at St. Catherine's Church in Valley City. Yeah. And um, church was a part of our life. And when it came time to start looking for a college, I wanted to go to a Catholic college. And when you grow up in eastern North Dakota, everybody tends to look east. Oh. And the College of St. Benedict just seemed too far away. Because that would have been the first Catholic college I'd run into sure. if I was on I-94. But then I also looked west. Our family came to Bismarck quite a bit, so I knew of the University of Mary more through their sports teams than anything Uh, else. They played Valley City State at the time, and I'm a big sports fan. (laughs) And so I came for the campus visit, and by December of my senior year, I was signed, sealed, and delivered as being a (laughs) University of Mary student. Okay. And that's how you arrived here, and you wanted to study what? Biology. I wanted to be a science teacher. And I think you ended up being one. I did. Biology or chemistry? Well, my undergrad is biology, and so after I joined the monastery, I taught for five years at St. Mary's Central High School here in Bismarck. Both biology, chemistry, anatomy, 
and was the head of the science department. And after five years there, I knew I wanted to teach at the University of Mary, and huh. I couldn't do that without a degree, an advanced degree. Yeah, right. So I spent five years at the University of Northern Colorado in Greeley working on my Ph.D. in chemistry. By Re- that, residentially? Or residentially. You were able to, so you were away from the monastery? I was away from the monastery, and as I always say, those were the five loneliest years of my life. Well, for someone who joined a community, and now it's like you're actually not going to be living in that community for a long time. I came home every oh. time for Christmas break. Um, some Most summers I was able to come home for a good part of it, but thankfully there was email in those days. This was the early 2000s, so one couldn't get an online degree per se, but I kept in touch through email, phone calls, letters, and every once in a while a sister would come down and visit. Oh, so. Okay. Yeah, so that was uh, quite a sacrifice. I, I don't I want to say it in a negative way, but it, but, a, but it, it was an opportunity as well, but there was, uh, that was difficult, as you it, said. It was it, the loneliest years. Loneliest yeah. years, and so I did what I could to pray the office when I knew they were praying the office at home. To be in solidarity with them. Making accommodation for the time change and yes. everything. It's like, oh, the sisters are gathered, so now I will gather with them in Greeley. Yes. <laughs> okay. Oh, man, I didn't know that. I, I hadn't processed all that, sister, so that's really, that's really um, important uh, that you were able to do that. Wow, that's, that's significant. So that's part, of your, that's part of your journey. Part of your time as a Benedictine is feeling the pains of separation. It is. Years. Yes. So then you finish your degree. I finish. Uh, you're now a doctor of chemistry. chemistry. And and the University of Mary was already ready to, to hire you? They were. I said I came back to my dream job. Wow. And I was able to spend 10 years teaching at the University of Mary. We were able to start a chemistry major while I was here and became the head of the department. Um, worked side by side with the woman I credit for sparking the interest in chemistry in me. And she was my mentor, Dr. Marla Beam. And mm. yeah, I couldn't have asked for more to have an wow. office side by side with her and work with colleagues who had also been my faculty members when I was a student. And so that was just a great experience. I loved teaching the students and then in the spring of 2016, God and my sisters had another plan for me, and okay. I was elected prioress of the monastery in okay. April that year. Of 2016. 16. And now we're in 2021, so you've been at that... For five years. For five years, and you've recently been... I was re-elected last March because okay. my first term was only four years, right. and we decided to lengthen the term to six years. Most other monasteries have six years, and we realized that in four years, you're just kind of figuring out the job, and then all of a sudden, you got to go through an election cycle. Yeah, right. And so we lengthened the term now to six years, and I was re-elected last March, right before the pandemic kind of started, and so I've got five more years left on this term. And then you're going to change the laws again to make it 10 years and then you're going to put yourself forward again and you're just going to kind of take over as it's like a little don't tell anybody we shouldn't air this because if the sisters are listening they're going to find out about the tactics of Sister Nicole right now <laughs> just taking over <laughs> no <laughs> well it, what a blessing it is that you're able to serve the sisters and that they trust your leadership that they've re-elected you they, 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 they enjoy that leadership and uh, they depend upon it but we so when you were elected you had to step away from the university and teaching and that that you had to count that cost. Yes, <laughs> yes, that was a loss uh, for me, the university. Yeah. But I'm still involved quite a bit in the university. The prioress serves on the board of trustees mm-hmm. and I come to as many events as I can we'll at the university because yeah. our presence is important on campus. Yeah. We missed it 
for about a year with yes. the pandemic and we were so many things were so separated and but now I've really enjoyed uh, the sisters have been back and around I'm seeing them walking around campus more often and and at events which is really great mm-hmm. really great sister we're going to take a short break we'll come back and let's talk a little bit more about life as a as a religious sister some of these memories they might be thinking about or maybe you've been too busy as priorists to think about them I don't know but um, and maybe some advice towards the end of it uh, for other other people and we'll talk about um, the uh, we're going to have a beautiful mass coming up here at the university nobody's welcome to come though we're it's closed <laughs> event only only important people no I don't know anyway so we'll take a quick break we'll stay with sister Nicole Kunze talking about 25 years of monastic profession stay with us live engaging and local this is real presence live where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the real presence radio network Rose Management is a family-owned business that believes in good morals, doing the right thing, and treating our residents as family. Rose Management provides affordable housing to complexes throughout North Dakota and Minnesota. All Rose Management properties and our maintenance staff are in a centralized location in their cities. If you have any questions, you can call 701-237-6840 or online at rosemanagement.net. Again, that number is 701-237-6840. Hello, this is Mike Kidrowski, Director of Advancement for Real Presence Radio with a creative gift planning tip. Do you want to make sure Real Presence Radio continues to receive your support in perpetuity? This can now be accomplished by establishing an individual endowment account in your name with a minimum gift of $10,000. A distribution will be made annually in your name to assure future generations will continue to hear the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ through the mission of Real Presence Radio. To learn more about establishing an individual endowment for Real Presence Radio, a gift which will last in perpetuity, please call me, Mike Kidrowski, at 701-290-4503. State tax credits may apply in some states. Let's get started. Hi, I'm Father Chris Alar. In this world of suffering and pain, we've all experienced loss, especially the death of someone we love. And it's never harder than it is with suicide. In our book, After Suicide, There's Hope for Them and for You, we want to be able to help you. We know that the pain and suffering is great, but we also know that we we can get through it. So please visit suicideandhope.com to learn more. Thank you. You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. This is Real Presence Live on a Thursday morning. I am atop the hill of the University of Mary, just south of Bismarck, North Dakota. I am the chaplain of the athletic department here at the university, and I'm continuing my conversation with Sister Nicole Kunze, who is the prioress of Annunciation Monastery. If you don't know what that means, I mean, she's the boss man. She's in charge. So, everybody, be ready. No, I don't think that's what it exactly means. She has the high privilege and responsibility of serving in the community uh, with leadership 
be, uh, service is at the very heart of it. And in a, in a monastery, actually, sister, I don't know how it works in this, this community here, but in a lot of monasteries I've seen, particularly in the Benedictine way, that there's a certain... Uh, not a fear for the person who's in charge, the abbess, the abbot, the, whoever the person might be, the prior, prioress, uh, because unlike some other places in the world, when you're finished in your leadership position, you don't just like move on to somewhere else. Like you're now just a, uh, you go back to being a, a, a regular, quote-unquote, member of the community. And if you were a, a wicked ruler <laughs> and you didn't serve others, you might get a little bit of, maybe a little fear that you might get what's coming to you. So you got to pay attention. I don't know if anybody thinks about it that way. But I've read books where it's like, well, I've got to be pretty good because uh, someone else might be over me. So I better be, better be kind. I better be just. I better be fair. I better be all of these things. So there's a certain wisdom. I think uh, in in lifting a person up and then lifting someone else up and uh, having people join along. Anyway, I'm on a, I'm on my own little tangents. We don't want to hear about me. We want to hear about you, sister. You joined the Benedictines. A final question on this before we talk about your your life as a a religious sister. Um, when a when a woman decides to join a religious institute. It can go lots of different ways. They mm-hmm. could, uh, they could just see the thing, see the see the reality right next to them, and say, "Hey, it's right here. Why wouldn't I just join this?" Or they could say, "There's something inside of me that really wants a certain thing," and so they go searching out to find that certain thing. For you, was it was it simply that uh, through providence uh, you came to the university, you found out about the sisters here? I want to live a communal religious life. They're here. I might as well start there and see where this goes. You know, in a nutshell, that is how okay. it went. You know, when I came to the university, I had no inkling of a vocation besides being a science teacher. Wow! And it was while I was a student here getting involved in campus ministry, residence life, and then having sisters as um, teachers no. that I, you know, went to Mass at the monastery on Sundays and just got to know them because I really didn't know too many sisters. I don't have any priests or sisters in my family relationship. Growing up in Valley City, I knew of the present. Sisters at Maryvale, but didn't interact with them a whole lot. And so while a student and hearing the sisters share about their vocation stories, I think that's where the seed got Mm. planted. Mm -hmm. And I actually give my roommate my sophomore year a lot of credit. One night, you know, as you turn off the lights in your dorm room, you start talking. And she said, out of the blue, have you ever thought about becoming a sister? And I, my immediate answer was, no, because I can't sing, and I'm sure that's a requirement. Oh, well, yeah, because they sing a lot. <laughs> they sing a lot. And the thing is, I realized later, I have a gift of singing, and I'm now a cantor and a member of the choir. And so, <laughs> Untapped potential. That, wow. That is something that does happen in religious life. Being in community, you do find out some of the gifts you did not know you had. Wow. And so, no, I ne- was never one of the sisters who asked me to consider joining or, you know, have you thought of it? It was classmates. Wow. And one of my, another classmate invited me to spend a weekend with her at the monastery during the summer between our sophomore and junior year. And I just tagged along because I was curious. The sisters lived on the west side of the building. The education department was on the east side of the building. I just wanted to see what was on the other side and realized <laughs> there's a lot on the other side, not yeah. just in terms of material or, you yeah. know, rooms and all those sorts of things, but just the lifestyle that mm. I went home that weekend Call my mother every Sunday night, started that in college and still do it to today, and called wow. mom and said, I could see myself doing this. 
and that's really what started it. By the fall, I was an affiliate. That's our first step in the process. And no, I never looked at any other religious community because I knew these sisters. Right. I've, the Benedictine life, the University of Mary, having a connection to it was important to me too. Oh, right. You know, because I said the university gave me quite a bit during those four years. And why not be a part of something like that for a lifetime? Wow, that's really beautiful. Thank you for sharing that, sister. Mm-hmm. The beginning. So, uh, you. Th- what about this other young woman who was your roommate? Did uh, did she become one of the sisters as well? Um, no, she and I both became affiliates <laughs> okay, together. Okay. But within about six months to a year, she decided it wasn't for her. Sure. So she went another direction. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, uh, that's really good. So it's uh, maybe just uh, one of the highlights we can draw from that is that. Uh, for young women and men that are out there who are exploring life and finding out what uh, they might want to be doing for their life, uh, just because something's not readily manifest or present right now doesn't mean there can't be something that can that can sprout and uh, and blossom in your heart uh, towards the religious life, towards the priesthood, towards consecrated life, towards various uh, vocations in the life of the church. So uh, that's really beautiful. It can just it can come from a a normal encounter with a friend. It can. Yeah. It can. <laughs> Which is really great. Sister, can you tell us just uh, some other stories? Do you have any... I mean, for 25 years in monastic profession, you've, you've, uh, you've experienced a lot. There's been a lot of ups and downs. I mean, we already know about one of the downs, being away from the community for five years, working on your doctorate. But, uh, but there, was, there was a certain creativity that you brought to that, which is great. So uh, we just want to give you the, the floor here to share some of these beautiful stories with us. Well, shortly before I joined the monastery, the sisters made the decision to um, sell the monastery to the the university and build mm. the current monastery we've mm-hmm. been living in now for almost 21 years. Okay, 21. Okay. And so that decision was made before I joined. So I was involved in all of the meetings for planning. How did we want to live monastic life into the future? Yeah. You know, because our the Benedictine Center was built in the early 1960s. Um, just a whole different architecture and thought about religious life. And so we knew we were going to build a building that was smaller. We knew we wanted spaces to gather with each other. We wanted spaces where we could host people. Um, We never had too many bedroom spaces in that um, first monastery. And so now to have an area where we can house up to 12 guests at a time, Mm -hmm. you know, whether it's for retreats or family members, a large community room where we can host um, outside groups. You know, hospitality is what Benedictines are known for. And so to have the spaces to provide hospitality were important. And so to be a part of that is we talked about what are our guiding principles. Wherever we live together, we will eat together, we will pray together, we will support each other. And to be a part of those talks and discussions as a new member was enlightening, you know, and as St. Benedict in his rule says, you know, when you gather the community together, you hear from everybody, the experienced and the young. And so my voice was a part of that too. So I, I think of that you know, at the time, I probably didn't realize what a big deal it was. But now, mm-hmm. sitting in this role as prioress and <laughs> thankful for what our sisters had the foresight that that building was too big for who the community was yeah. in the late 90s and going into the 2000s. Right. To have that foresight to plan for the future was 
a gift to all of us. Sure. And you're reaping those those benefits now in your direction of the community. Yes, I am. I am. Right. I, I would say another me- great memory is because of my our affiliation with the University of Mary and my role as prioress, I've been able to travel overseas with Monsignor Shea uh-huh. on some different trips. And to think by my 25th anniversary, I've visited Subiaco and Monte Cassino, <laughs> the great Benedictine sites. <laughs> Benedict in his cave in Subiaco and Monte Cassino being his first monastery. And then we went with the health sciences faculty to Eichstadt, Germany. And that's where the the Benedictines who came to North America in 1852, that was the monastery they left to come and establish Benedictine women's monasteries here in the North America. And where did they land in North America? They, did they- was there one in like Pennsylvania yes, or something? Yes, you've or? got that right. They okay. started in Pennsylvania, St. Mary's, and then Sister Benedicta Reap left St. Mary's to come to near St. Cloud, Minnesota, to St. Benedict's St. Monastery, which is where we take our direct from St. Joseph. From. Yep. Okay. Yeah. The Collegeville Megalopolis. Yes. Yeah. Stearns County. <laughs> yeah, Stearns County, Minnesota. I've got some friends there. Yeah. Wow. That's a and great the, history. Right. And then um, here, right before the pandemic, we took a group from the university to Israel and Jerusalem. And so to visit the site of the Annunciation was wow. just powerful. And wow. so to think that all of these special places in what makes up Annunciation Monastery, I've been able to visit. My goodness. To pray for the community, to pray for our future. It was wonderful. We need a we need to span out a whole segment on some nuggets from visiting Subiaco and Monte Cassino. I mean, I was there once... Maybe twice. I was living in Rome for a couple of years, so it was, it was just down the road, actually, at that point. Uh, but Benedict and Scholastica are both buried there, I think. In uh, Monte Cassino. In Monte Cassino. I mean, yep. this is the, the founder and foundress of the Benedictine Way. Or, or they're yeah. right, right there at this beautiful monastery on top of this hill overlooking the, the countryside north of Naples. I mean, it's like incredible. So that must have been very powerful. We don't have time to talk about it now, though, sisters. Sorry. So maybe that would be the next segment when we talk about your 50th monastic profession. <laughs> we'll talk about your travels. That'll be great. Sister, in the last minute or so, um, any any final thoughts that you'd like to offer to to those young men or young women that are out there, or just or just the general public about about religious life and the life of the church? Just final thoughts. Men and women are still answering the call. We saw that here in the diocese of Bismarck last mm-hmm. week with four mm-hmm. men being ordained to the priesthood, mm-hmm. and we've got three women in initial formation for our community. They made first profession here about two years ago, and so I would invite men and women to remain open to God's call finding that place where you fit in, you know, because I think there are so many different religious orders, different charisms, different prayer lives. One can find the one that's right for you. And yeah. God, God's going to help you find that place for you. So to just be open to that. And um, I've been blessed to have found it here with the Sisters of Annunciation yeah. Monastery and I'm grateful for who they have made me today. I, they've played a great role in that. Mm. Uh, so beautiful. Sister, thank you for being with us today. On Saturday, uh, this Saturday, we're going to have a beautiful Mass. Um, we call it Mass of Thanksgiving or just a Mass, mass of, of Jubilee. Mass of Jubilee we're going to have. I look forward to that at Our Lady of Annunciation Monastery. And I didn't mean any offense to anybody if you weren't invited. I don't know how we can do all that. There's a lot going on. So but just I just wanted to bring it to, uh, to 
to attention that we're going to be doing that. And so. it's a public event. All are welcome. Okay, okay great. Saturday. Okay, that'll be fantastic. So we're going to take a break. We'll come back talking about the Fellowship of Catholic University students. We're going to talk about mission on campus, bringing the gospel of Jesus Christ to wherever you find yourselves. We're going to have a missionary talking about that. It's going to be really great, so stay with us. Real Presence Live. This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. 